you know, I've been playing a lot of my SNES Mini, and I've just been thinking, how incredible is it that I can play all these games on my HDTV? I can literally put it in my backpack, do whatever I want with it. Isn't it amazing? With all the cables and everything, just like old school. Yeah, but it's all smaller than like the cable too, right? Yeah. You know what they're never going to make though? What's that? An N64 Mini. I think that's burning the lead because we're about to talk about the most anticipated, highly sought after mini device that is possibly never going to happen. But if it does, we're ready for it. Yeah, I I still don't think it's going to happen. The Nintendo 64 mini. I don't know. (laughs) Rumors are pretty good, man. And I I think we talked about it on our last episode. There's some things lining up with this whole Paper Mario release and how... It was uh, the trailer was released exactly 64 days prior to the launch of Paper Mario Origami King. That's a it's a lot to take in. I don't know. You remember those rumors a while ago for the uh, PlayStation Plus games that were su- supposedly going to be Dark Souls and uh, Dying Light? How that never happened? Yeah, yeah. Can't trust every rumor. So we are here to talk about this beautiful song. Nintendo 64. What was that? That was the 64 intro. No, it wasn't. It came in so quick. Nintendo 64 never had an intro. No, that's the sound when you fired it up. Trust me, I looked up a bunch of them. There was no sound when you turned the N64 on. I'm pretty sure there was. What are you smoking? There was no sound when you put the N64 on. It literally just loaded the game cartridge. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure. Either way, we got a list of games that we have decided uh, to be our most wanted game list for a potential N64 Mini that I uh, am still going to... I'm going to just keep reminding everyone that's not going to happen. Uh, but when it does, you heard it here first, guys. The yeah. games that are going to be on this console, yeah, we Nintendo's came up with most ta- of them. Nintendo's taking taking notes right now. So uh, what David and I did is we uh, we pulled each other on our top 25 games and somehow both came out with 26. Um, and what we've decided to do is we rated it, curated it to make it the like the most common games and this is what we figured would be the best possible console we're also going to go through our honorable mentions because we think that would be a little bit of fun as well um and starting off with game number 21 it would be uh an instant classic for a lot of 64 players uh 1080 snowboarding i think it's pronounced 1080 degrees 1080 degrees snowboarding all right so you're just burning the lead (laughs) right there but yeah um Man, what a game, right? Yeah, that was a good one. Um, it was like one of the first kind of sports games that I had played in a while. In, in a while? <laughs> well, like, not in a while, but it was one of the first like sports games, sorry, that I played on the uh, N64, even like 
on the uh, PS PlayStation one at the time. Yeah. It, um, to me, it just reminds me of like, it was that and Tony Hawk and they both came out at the same time and they were things you definitely couldn't do when you were a kid. Like, unless you like, especially when we were kids, it was a lot more money driven. And the fact that like, you only saw it on the Olympics, it was like one of these really wild sports and it was exciting to play. Like I remember like there was that. And then like on PlayStation, there was like the SS trickies and uh, Xbox as well. When that came around. There was a, a one on the GameCube, I want to call it, I think it was called Dark Summit, where you had to thwart like evil people who were poisoning <laughs> this mountain. And it was a snowboarding game as well. You were a spy. But I think, th- what, ten- I think what really stood out for 1080 snowboarding for me was how th- they had the snow look. I don't know. It, it just like you had like the trails and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just one of those games that it was it was fast paced, right? Like that's my big problem with a lot of, um, with support and, and okay. Not like fast pace because in the sense where it's constantly going, but it's one of those things that once you get going down the hill and once you get good at it, you can keep some crazy tricks going. And it, it just felt like, I don't know. It, it was different at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of, uh, skateboarding games. There was a lot of other you know, sports games, but snowboarding was not really something that had caught on before that, I think. But if you you ask anyone what, yeah, exactly. Uh, If you ask anyone, you know, I I would say out of 10 people, I'd say nine out of 10 people have probably played 1080 snowboarding or owned it. And very well being one of their only sports games. Right. I find it interesting though. Like, um, like I know you and I asked for 25 and this ended near the bottom of our lists. But when you look at a lot of people and you ask them, like, do you rem- like what games do you remember the most from your 64 days? There's a lot of them that we're going to cover. Um, and some that we're not going to cover because David and I didn't agree on them. However, I'll still talk about them. T- 1080 degrees snowboarding is one that I think a lot of people played and it was just like games were cheap back then. If you were interested in something, you just got it. No, they weren't. Well, I mean, comparable. No, really. No, they were the exact same price. I have a million dollars. I have a uh, a page out from a Walmart uh, flyer uh, from 1991 or what? 99, sorry. 1999, because that's when Star Wars Episode 1 came out. Uh, and so I have the sheet because it's a bunch of Star Wars stuff and it's just been attached to my my dresser for literally the last like 20 years, 21 yeah. years. Um, but behind it is an N64 advertisement page. I'll take a picture and I'll show you. Uh, and games were $79.99. Uh, okay, so I, I shouldn't say like new because I remember going to, uh, we had this little shop in my hometown. Um, it was called Encore Games. It was a really cool little place and like my dad would go in there all the time and we would go buy like Super Nintendo games or 64 games, whatever. That's how we got a lot of games or we waited for um, Blockbuster or Jumbo Video at the time to, yeah, that's how we're dating ourselves here, like um, sell the games. And I remember like a lot of the games we got didn't come in boxes. They had stickers on them from video stores, but 
that was cool for us. Like I, I didn't care at all. Now, I mean, I like to collect games a little bit more, but do I like? Am I upset for the way I've received games in the past? No, not at all. I but, think yeah, so. They were they maybe appeared to be cheaper because we kept getting them, but it wasn't like they weren't brand new. Yeah, I, I think that you know the used game market as well. Back when things were all cartridges and stuff like that. I think game prices were slightly lower for used ones in order to move um, inventory more, right? Because N64 games, they they were kind of beefy, right? Like they took up quite a bit of space. So can you imagine, you know, having like 50 copies of, you know, a, a single game in, in uh, storage somewhere? Well, you know, nowadays they have, they're all all on disc, right? So they can just take them out of the cases or they, the cases take up a fraction of the space, right? Like they're a little taller, yeah. but they're a lot thinner, right? So you can have 50 of the same game and it still takes up a fraction of the amount of space uh, as, uh, you know, a game cartridge did. So I, I think that's why maybe games were cheaper or seemed cheaper or it wasn't our money. So we weren't being as uh, yeah. <laughs> stingy about like- it. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, that's the other thing too. Like, I don't recall too many times, like we didn't play video games near as much as I do now. So that was one thing, but like you'd get games at Christmas. I remember like getting, um, uh, the, what was it? Donkey Kong 64 at Christmas. And I got the 64 with the, the booster pack and you'd have the rumble pack and you'd have the expansion pack and you have all these things for your console. Um, but like, I don't remember games never being available. We could just go rent video games and you had like the rent to own option from the video store near our house. So like, I remember all that kind of stuff, but maybe it was just, yeah, you're right. Like not thinking about the money, but like parents now, like I remember hearing some, like I work right beside an EB and I just remember hearing a parent uh, turning to her kid and be like, no, I bought you a video game last month. Like, wow. Okay. And I don't remember getting games like monthly all the time. No, like we, we got for Christmas, we got, you know, the super Nintendo and the N64, but that was, that was it, you know? And, and if we wanted a game, we'd have to real. And and it was something like, um, if we wanted a game, we would get it for everyone, right? Like you, everyone had to agree on one. And then that's what we would get. If we wanted a specific one, or if we wanted another one, we'd have to buy it. Your birthday, you might have got a game if you were really lucky. And didn't have like three other siblings. Yeah, but like a lot of the games were shared. And I think that's the other big thing when it comes to the Nintendo 64 is when you looked at that kind of console in particular, you were always looking at like your parents played the game. Mm -hmm. Right? Like your parents were buying games for themselves. Like I'm not running out to the store if I had a kid right now and being like, hey, um, I'd like to buy Call of Duty for myself and my five-year-old because obviously a five-year-old well would probably tool me a Call of Duty. Let's be <laughs> but or after they fucked your mom. <laughs> I know this is a sixty-four centric episode. However, this one guy I watched this video this morning of this person who got aimbotted. And he was just like, I'll fucking go over there and fuck your mother. It doesn't even matter. I have no respect for you or your kind. I'm just dying wow. of laughter. 
So yeah, that was a uh, game number twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, speaking of no respect, uh, Mario Tennis is number twenty on our list, which actually, you know, it isn't that bad. Um, I played a lot of Mario Tennis. I thought it was a great multiplayer game, but it. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just like another sports game at the same, like when it comes down to it. Uh, I I think it's just another sports game, but it's a fun sport. It is fun. Yeah. The one thing about Mario sport games in general is they're like, they're, they're very couch based. Mario tennis is a fast game. You could be like, Hey, you want to play a game of Mario tennis? And they're relatively quick. Mm hmm. It's not like there are some other games like if a round of Mario Golf, as an example. True. You'd be like, oh, well, I better get ready to sit here for like 40 minutes as we play 18 holes. And my six-year-old sister plays as Peach and keeps hitting it off the tree. See, like Mario Tennis, though, is one of those. Yeah, it's it's one of those fast-paced pick-up-and-play games, right? Um, yeah. When you'd have your friends over and you wanted to play a, a bunch of different games, you know, you'd pop in Mario Tennis, play a few rounds of that. And that's the one thing is that it, it's so easy to just get into a game and play with people and it's not difficult, right? Like you don't need to know all these like button combinations of stuff and, and everything. Uh, and it, it's comedic in a sense because it was, wacky, you don't expect, right. yeah, you don't expect to see, you know, B- Bowser playing tennis against peach, right? You expect him to be kidnapping her. Keeping her, yeah, and it's, her locked. It's up. all Mario's friends and family too, right? Yeah, and, and and it's like games like that that kind of change the the Mushroom Kingdom lore almost. Like, is is Bowser really a bad guy, or is or is he just does he just capture uh, Princess Peach for the hell of it? Because he's, he's bored. bored. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Speaking of board, Duke Nukem <laughs> 64, uh, is our number t- 19. And um, this game did really well in sales solely because it did so well on PC. And, and the thing is like, it looks great on the N64 too. Um, which is surprising, right? Because the N64 is s- somewhat considered a, lesser powerful system in comparison to you know like at the time the playstation one or the dreamcast no xbox yeah yeah the dreamcast was out as well right but the fact that you know nintendo got uh doom 64 i'm sorry duke nukem 64 sorry my bad um on there and it played beautifully it looked beautiful and it was you know a full-on duke nukem game yeah, they didn't back. I think there was some censorship and stuff like that. Like the the dancing women were wearing like bras bikinis. and panties, bikinis. Yeah, but other than that, you know, it's still the, the bloody gore. Did, Duke did, game. did the sixty four also get the land of babes or no? I don't. Know. I don't think so. Like and and Duke Nukem sixty four though, you know, it's popular enough that they redid it didn't they no it was uh, yeah for um duke nukem also had zero hour on nintendo 64 so there was two games. That's right yeah duke nukem was like i remember my dad bringing that home for a computer and when we found out it was on 64 we had to rent it 
because then it wasn't my dad's save file. <laughs> but it was um, it was definitely one of those games where you felt just badass. Like that was a game I played when mom wasn't home. Yeah, and it's funny because like you would get these games that you know that one parent didn't really care about, but then the other one was like, "Oh, you shouldn't be playing that; it's too violent." That was Great my dad. Auto. My dad was hidden up in like, my ceiling. Do you need to do this, or like, yeah. Uh, later on, when I was playing, you know, um, Xbox 360, PS3, stuff like that, if I was playing a game where it's like, you know, killing Nazis and stuff like that, my mom would come down and be like. Why are you shooting them? Do you have to shoot them? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, mom, they're Nazis. Like, they're the bad guys. <laughs> and my dad would come down and be like, this is really violent. Uh, but speaking of violent, the most <laughs> violent game that we have on this list, it's, I'm surprised that this game even made it to our list. Uh, Harvest, Moon 60, <laughs> Harvest Moon 64. I mean, the Number way 18. you treated those cows was... It was a, it was a, an interesting game, and like, if you look at the footage now, considering the game came out in 1999, if you look at the footage from Harvest Moon 64, right, you go, oh, okay, so that was what, like, if you saw, if you saw that first, and you were like, that was what the 64 was, you probably wouldn't want to buy a 64. Mm-hmm. That game did not look as beautiful as it could. Uh, yeah, and but the thing is, like, the Harvest Moon games were. They didn't need to look good. Um, they they were one of those games that, you know, you just play to relax. They were kind of like Animal Crossing before Animal Crossing, but with a little more um, uh, I'm brain fart uh, responsibilities. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like you had to take care of the animals. You had to do stuff. Uh, the, my only gripe with the Animal Crossing with the Harvest Moon games is that I feel like the days go by too short. Um, I'd agree with that. And I don't know. I don't ever really know what I'm doing. I know that, um, I started playing, um, harvest moon, something or other on, uh, PlayStation two. Cause they redid it. I think it's a wonderful life or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, I have no idea what to do. Camera controls suck, everything like that. But there's also like so, something about that game, you know, like those cows when you milk them and then they have like the nice little heart thing above it. You, you would, you would go to the milking of the cows. <laughs> um, you know, you know what game like even gave you more stress about the time it took to get through a day, the legend of Zelda Majora's mask. I, that game. So the fun gives me nightmares. Game. The funny thing about that game is I have never played more than like maybe a half hour into that game. Yeah, like I've I've played the first day. Yeah, I I never really got into it. I've beaten um I've beaten Ocarina Time a few mm-hmm. times. Um but Majora's Mask, I think for me, I just didn't like the the time traveling or the, the time resetting aspect of it. Um, I like to play games that let me go on my own pace. So when a game adds a time limit, and, and for for uh, Majora's Mask, it's not like a time limit that is loose. Like, oh, this day ends, and then like you can just keep going on. It's like if you don't do 
a certain number of things before and reset, then like the game is over. Um, yeah. And I just didn't like that. Now the thing is, is I, uh, I want to play it, but I want, I would rather play like an updated version of it. Um, I don't know. Like you but hope I, that guy I, on the I, internet who's porting <laughs> 64 games does that one next. Yeah. Or maybe. Arcane I, of Time. I, I would play, I would play Majora's Mask if I, if I could play it like in full 1080p and have it actually look nice. Yeah. Um, not upscaled, but I did select this one to go on, on the, the art game list because I know that there's a lot of people that like Majora's Mask more than Orcrain of Time. Um, which I, I get, I guess. Yeah. To me, to me, it was like, when I looked at the game list, I was like, if I had to choose one game between the two Zeldas, which one would I want more to be upscaled for HD? And it was a no brainer. Like I, I want to play Arcane of Time again. I want to be frustrated by the fact that you have to look all around. I want to, I want that experience again. And when it came to Majora's Mask, like if I think again about the 64 and I had the chance to play only 20 games and that's it available to me and all the rest didn't exist, I would prefer Ocarina. Um, that's why it's so low on our list too. Yeah, like it's kind of on there because I know that people want to play it and I think that there would be outrage if it wasn't released on an N64 Mini. You know where I think there would be more outrage is if Star Wars Rogue Squadron didn't make the list. You know, I I would actually probably not buy an N64 Mini just for that reason. That's a lie. I would probably buy one and then hack it and put Rogue Squadron on there. It was between this or Pod Racer for me, and I ultimately went Rogue Squadron just because I thought there was a little bit more balance to the game. It wasn't just the racing. So maybe it's because you sucked at Episode One Racer. Uh probably. And yeah, I also probably. thought Anakin was a little bitch. I'm sorry that got that got really personal. Yeah, that got very. <laughs> Do you need to talk um, to someone? Like we can talk after the show. Uh, <laughs> Rogue Squadron was really cool because it it was one of the first games that I remember playing that kind of uh, explored a little bit of Luke's character and what the rebellion went through between episode or was it like yeah between episode four and. Five or something like that. I don't remember the exact time um, time frame, but it was one of those games like that was it was unique in the sense that there wasn't really many uh, flight sims like it at the time. Um, you could really go anywhere, yeah. And the controls were were really good too, and the the sounds sound effects were great. Um, there was so many though, like at, at that point in time, I think they all came out between what 98 and 2001. There was also um, Battle for Naboo, right? So that one came out uh, late 2000s. Yeah, I think and that, that was one, another flight sim. I think that one was, um, was that on N64? It was. Okay. There's like six Star Wars titles for 64. That's true. I think the like the only ones that I really played were uh, Rogue Squadron, Episode One Racer, and Shadow of the Empire, um, which were all on my list, but not all of them made the cut. That's because we didn't I, agree on them all. I but think that's Ro- okay too. Rogue, Rogue Squadron, though, 
um, I think is totally worth it for this list because it spawned two sequels and rogue leader. So rogue squadron two for GameCube, I think is quite possibly one of the best uh, GameCube games ever made. It was great. Uh, and we'll, we do, ha- we'll do we the GameCube have- another day. Yeah, but we wouldn't have that if it wasn't for Rogue Squadron on the N64. I don't know. I feel like the star- like just looking at the Star Wars games maybe between like 1995 and 2002, they were just pumping them out, right? Yeah. It, it was like a factory of like middle quality to like high quality games. But the thing I was just is- looking at Battle at, of Naboo. At the time though, right? So 99 was when episode one came out. So there was this whole generation of, of these new characters and new worlds to explore. So they could create these, a lot of these games, right? That's where the, um, the Obi-Wan game came out and bounty hunter and Jedi Starfighter and all these, like these other games, uh, that had come out that, and also at the time home consoles were becoming more powerful, right? That they were, somewhat competing with the PC market. Um, so yeah, I, I miss those days when, yeah. And the thing is like, they weren't bad games, right? Like some of them were better than others, but at the same time, like they were all very much playable and enjoyable. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we picked the best possible star Wars game to include on the mini console. If there was going to be one. Mm hmm. Now, the next interest, sorry, go ahead. Only thing with that is like, so if even if there was the possibility of having an N64 mini, it just sucks that now Disney owns um, LucasArts and we would have to deal with Disney and the marketing or the licensing fees just for, for that game would probably be through the roof, which would suck. But oh, well, moving on. I mean, I know the mini console is going to be like $150. Um, this one was another highly contested one between the two of us. I mean, between two games, I wanted Mario Party 2. You wanted Mario Party 3. I thought Mario Party 2 was just a little bit better than one. But two and three were pretty similar. The maps were very detailed. And like, if you compare it to even the Mario Parties now, it still holds up to this day. Like both of them do. I, I had Mario Party 3. And I just found that it was, I felt like it was more polished as a, yeah, I'd, it was I'd agree. like all the Mario party games are similar except for Mario party 10 and the super Mario party for switch. Those trash. But um, I felt like Mario party three was just a more polished version of Mario party two um, with a bunch of new games. And, you know, if there was one game to destroy your N64 controller, it was Mario party. Yeah. People would get really upset. It was fun until the very end of the game. And when you signed up to play like a 20 turn game, you were playing a long ass game. Now you can play like a Mario Party game in 20 minutes. Uh, not even that fun. Yeah. And, and I think the Mario Party games now, like the new one, you know, there's four maps. You know, how many maps were on the Mario Party 3? There was like at least eight. Yeah, and they were they and were they all kind of different, and they were big, right? Now the the maps are just tiny, and you can go around it, you know, two or three times easily in a short game, and it just, you know. But the one thing that has never changed about Mario Party is that it ruins friendships. 
So does Mario Kart, but we'll get to it in a minute. Speaking of Mario, we have the paper version of him coming up next on our list, sitting at number 14. Quite paper possibly, Mario is the... Quite possibly uh, one of the best RPGs ever made. Yeah, I was I was going to say it's a, it's a paper version of a turn-based RPG, but it's not Dungeons & Dragons. No, and the one thing about the Paper Mario games, um, they, they all kind of poke fun at themselves, which was interesting. Um, and I think Paper Mario was the first kind of, uh, well, it was a, a sequel to Super Mario RPG. Yeah. The Super Nintendo, which that was uh, isometric, um, kind of like pseudo 3D top down RPG. Um, this was more of a adventure game with turn based battles and stuff like that. But uh, the one thing that the team behind the Paper Mario games is good at is the comedy, which always makes the game like exciting to continue playing and whatnot. Um, this is one game like the Paper Mario games. I would love to have like a collection of them. Now, later on in the series, like Color Splash and uh, Sticker Star, they weren't very good. They kind of like got away from the whole like role playing aspect of it. The core, the core fundamentals that made the yeah. game what they were. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that Origami King, whenever, whenever we see that, is going to kind of go back to you know the roots of the Paper Mario games the the one thing i will or the last thing i will say about paper mario is when you look at even the 64 version of paper mario all the way up until the switch version the one thing that stays true to the entire series is they haven't changed the way mario looks like side by side yeah you'll definitely see a pixel difference because they're using far more Mm -hmm. but paper mario looked gorgeous on the nintendo 64 it happened like to me. It's one of the most beautiful games on the console, and that it doesn't have a lot to do with like the like because there's not a lot of jagged art styles. Like I was watching a, a video on some '64 games the other day, and they showed Indiana Jones, and it looked like a ripoff version of Tomb Raider, minus the not triangular po- like pokey boobs. Mm-hmm. And you look at a game like Paper Mario, and it's just perfect like it's it looks perfect because it's a 2d kind of flat scroll adventure game that is just brilliantly it brilliantly uses the technology it has and it takes advantage of a lot of things that other people didn't think of well and like like you said the technology um it didn't really push the system it doesn't push the the hardware right it, it's not like a, a huge innovation in in advancement in gameplay or game style and stuff like that but it is unique enough kind of like um the yoshi's island games remember that on n64 or not n64 um super nintendo yep it was a very unique like art drawn like cartoony or, or crayon kind of style artwork that you know made the game look unique in itself and i think that's what is very appealing for the Mario party games is that it is a very, very unique uh, style that it doesn't have to have, you know, the best graphics because it works with how it is. Yeah. I'd 100% agree. Um, It's, it's no Pokemon snap though. And that, that game is um, 
how, how can I put it? One of my favorite hour-long experiences ever. It is just... I don't even know how to beat that game. You still haven't beat it? I don't think so. I would play that forever. Go to my friend's place and we just play Pokemon Snap. One, one night, myself and Devin beat it within like 45 minutes. <laughs> Did you we, we didn't beat it though? Like, because you have to get all of the pictures, you have to get good ratings on stuff. And uh, a lot of it was just getting through the maps and getting to Mew. Um, That's true. Yeah. But like, there, there's everything from getting like the special pictures to the Pokemon pictures where you like get the Kingler out of the shadows. And man, that's my jam. I could, I could go into Pokemon snap and remember how to like, after you get the apples, you go back and you get surfing Pikachu and you get a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot you can do. I liked how they added the replayability for levels though, with those aspects, right? Where you eventually unlocked certain things that allowed you to uh, bring out Pokemon in the levels that you had finished already. Right, yeah. like the apples and you know, whatever. The pester ball, yeah, the pester ball and stuff like that. Um, I, you know what? I would love a updated Pokemon Snap. Should we move it up the list to like the top ten, just to make sure Nintendo knows we're talking <laughs> about it? I, I uh, know they're listening. They're listening. Good. I'm glad they're listening. Um, <laughs> next up is one of David's favorite titles ever. It's Super Smash Bros. My least favorite game of all time. Actually, no, that's not true, but. Uh, hey, you know what? I selected Smash Bros. I put it on. Did I? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I put Smash Bros. on my list. Uh, same idea, you know, with as Majora's Mask. It needs to be on there. This is the game that started a revolution in fighting games for Nintendo. Yeah, I, I also think it helped introduce players to characters that they didn't necessarily know. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that one had a fighting roster of, I think, 16 battlers. I might be wrong. Um, but you got to, like, if you weren't a Zelda player, which most people were, um, you got to experience some of those players. Yeah. So you got Luigi, Ness. A lot of people didn't know Earthbound. Um, Yoshi. Funny, I think that's super weird that Nintendo has pretty much abandoned Earthbound and yet. They still put Ness and they put uh, the other guy from Earthbound 3 and they, they put them in their Smash Bros. games. Nintendo, yeah. no. Actually, the, the, that's even crazier too if you look at it. So it's Luigi, Ness, Mario, Yoshi, dun, dun. Donkey Kong, still huge at the time for Nintendo. Kirby, hot off a few really big games. Link, um, Fox, McCloud, Samus Aran, Pikachu, Jigglypuff, and Captain Falcon. So you're telling me that you couldn't come up with one character that wasn't a Pokemon? Yeah. But they did. No, I'm saying like... <laughs> okay, sorry. They have one, two, three characters from Mario and Luigi. They have... Every other game is represented by one, and then they have two Pokemon. So five out of the 12 are Mario and Pokemon. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, did they, when they were making that game, did they, uh, were, were they looking at their roster of characters that they had and be like, okay, what characters do we have are that are well known and that people want to play as? What's going to sell this game? Right. So until they, and it makes sense that they put a bunch of Pokemon in there because Pokemon is one of the 
biggest uh, video games of all time. Yeah. And, and having like the classic like first party Mario characters, even like having Captain Falcon in there and whatnot. Um, you know, like they put characters in there that were well known that were pretty much a guaranteed that people would want to play as. Right. Like everyone's going to want to play as Pikachu. Jigglypuff was another very popular character as well. Um, and then, you know, as going forward, as the other games came out, they added more and more characters. Right. So, yeah, now you have to pay for characters. Yeah. Nintendo's getting on the DLC bandwagon in a huge, huge way. They're still doing and supporting. Yeah. Um, next up is a game that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. It would be higher on the list, but we also believe that there's a good chance that this game does not get re-released, but we both respected it quite greatly. And that's Conker's Bad Fur Day. What a great game. It taught you to be like a smart ass. It was like it was a heavily rated game at the time, too, was it not? Yeah, and it was like adult only. Like you needed to be 18 plus to buy it. I yeah. remember there was like huge media stuff going on about, you know, this game's coming out. They have poop and farts in it. There's a whole poop world in the game. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. It was like, uh, as part of the Conquer series, this game follows Conquer the squirrel, a greedy, heavy drinking red squirrel who must return home to his girlfriend. Okay. So it's like it's one of those games where it's like, oh, okay, cool. So we're gonna we're gonna show all these like eight year old impressionable kids that uh, drinking is cool. I mean, everything has drinking now. I remember a story from my parents where it's like, at like the age of five, I was like, Dad, you want beer? <laughs> like, uh, go to the fridge, want beer? So it's uh, <laughs> yeah. It, I I'm just disappointed that um, when it was re released on the Xbox. Uh, they did a great job of kind of redoing the game and making it look good, but they censored so much stuff. They took out a lot of stuff in that game. Um, and yeah, it would just be nice to have a classic, you know, uncensored original uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Well, for 200 bucks, you can get a copy on eBay. That's true. But speaking of eBay, eBay is kind of like a huge stadium of people fighting each other for th- great deals. Yes, this this one was one that I, I was conflicted on a little bit. Pokemon Stadium. Um, I, I contemplated Why? Pokemon Why Stadium. Oh, I, I contemplated Pokemon Stadium too, based on the fact that you got the additional like seventy five Pokemon. Like you got Ho Ho and Luiga, you got Labatar. You got you got the next regions worth of Pokemon, the silver and gold Pokemon, which is pretty cool. However, Pokemon Stadium to this day is still one of my favorite games. David was there um, the day we tried to negotiate for a copy, and I didn't even want the box. I just wanted the game badly, and the guy wanted like $130 for it. Man, the box was ripped, too. Yeah. But he's like, no, it has to go with the box. And he tried to do that whole sales tactic where he's like, I have somebody coming for it. I can give it to you now for like 120. It's like, ah, that that's not how you do that. Yeah. Phenomenal game. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was a new take on An the Pokémon system, yeah. right? 
uh, I think they did a great job with that game kind of showing off, you know, what we imagined Pokemon battles could be like. Till you realize all the animations are pretty much the same. Yes. That <laughs> and that's how Pokemon move. Um, it, well, it, even now the Pokemon, like in Sword and Shield, they move a little bit more, but they still don't move, move, you know? Yeah, I know. It was like, yeah, they got to figure out their animation. But um, that gets us into the it top was, 10. But yeah, that that's our number 10 game. I just want to say like with po- Pokemon Stadium, though, um, that was the game that really pushed me for wanting a full 3D Pokemon game. And it only took what, uh, like 19 20 more years. Yeah. yeah. 19 years later to get one. And it's not even that good of a game. Not even that good. I still would rather play Pokemon Eevee, Let's Go Eevee, or Pikachu. Hey, we had that conversation the other day. They're just it's like, I'd rather replay Yellow than learn about some stupid battery-looking Pokemon yeah, or a Meowth exactly. type. Exactly. Number nine on the list is another grab your friends and play until the middle of the night. We've got Mario Kart 64. You want to talk about a... How huh? did this get number nine? Based on the rankings we gave other games, it slipped to nine. How? That doesn't make any sense. I put it on six. You put I it on... had it as 16. No. What? No. Oh, no. I'm looking at Mario 64. Never mind. Yeah, hold on. You're good. It's Mario Kart. Yeah. I'll, Mar- I'll, I'll <laughs> you <allow> digress. <laughs> I'll allow uh, Mario Kart 64 still guaranteed deserves a, a spot in the top 10. I mean, when you look at the Super Nintendo classic, you got uh, Super Mario World, you got Mario Kart, and what was the other one that was built into the game? I think it was, uh, there was three Mario games that came native to the system. What? If you didn't hack your Super Nintendo classic, you got Super Mario Kart, and you got... Super Mario Super- World. And was there a third one? I don't remember. Super Mario RPG. Actually, yeah, that might have been it. I don't think that was on there. Either way, <laughs> Mario Kart let you uh, drive as Mario, Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Luigi, Peach, Wario, Bowser, and Toad. This is the second party game Wario appears in, which is sweet. Uh, and the thing is, Waluigi, I believe, was made for Mario Tennis. As um, Luigi's doppelganger. Yeah. That's I think was the first game or whatever where he showed up as, but I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Uh, I was right. Just so uh, the world knows it was Super Mario Kart, Super Mario World and Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. Small victories, guys. Yeah. Do you want an award or uh, do you want a medal? Mario Kart 64 was also the introduction to to shelling people off the road and really like I know Super Nintendo had it, but that game was very hard to control. Yeah. Friendships were literally ruined in Mario Kart 64. Oh, that blue shell in Mario Kart 64. Uh, awful. So bad. And it just like it had the power to just ruin your race. It was the worst. And, and you know what the worst thing was if you weren't even in first place and the blue shell just went through you anyways. <laughs> What a game. Yeah. I mean, it would be higher if there weren't better games on this list. 
And that's the crazy part about the Nintendo 64. I mean, in a lot of cases, a lot of people's top 10s will be pretty similar. Um, But I digress. And we'll move on to number eight, which was. I I disagree that this one is high. I, I actually think that the next two on our list should be below Mario Kart 64, but whatever. Uh, number eight <laughs> is Star Fox 64, which was was so good. It was actually so good. But I would prefer to play Mario Kart 64 over Star Fox 64 any day. I I mean, yeah. I just felt Mar- like the controls for sorry. I just felt like the controls for Star Fox sixty four were kind of like, and uh, like they were they were interesting. They were there, but the game, I don't know. It, I felt like I wanted more. I wanted more the, of a story. I think this one makes the list much like Super Smash Brothers did, Majora's Mask did. It's a game that people would just be upset with, especially because the 22nd secret game on the um, Super Nintendo was the unreleased Star Fox 2. So Nintendo still is like holding this library near and dear. And I honestly would love to see a uh, remaster of, uh, I can't remember the full title, but the Star Fox that came out for GameCube. The RPG was really, Uh, really fun. Star Fox Adventures. Yeah, that was a really, really fun game. I still remember like trying to negotiate with the peddler. Like, no, that's too low. But you'd offer her like literally one scarab less and she'd be all upset. Yeah. Um, 60, or Star Fox 64 to me was, I think, what you were also talking to, uh, to when it came to Star Wars, like Rogue Squadron. It was like a flight sim. It was a lot of fun. The characters really made that game probably more special than it was. And like, Yeah, and you- like the banter and the dialogue between characters over the radio when you're flying and playing missions like i mean at the end of the day every single person is going to say mario 64 is going to be in their top 10 it doesn't matter where you put it um (laughs) the next game though people might be like what i i think though with star fox 64 uh, a big part of what makes the game so great is that it was such a huge leap forward from you know star fox on the super nintendo Right, like yeah. Star Fox on the Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo was like the first actual 3D game, right? So jumping from that, where it was kind of you know just like you know low poly 3D flight sim to a you know something that looks significantly better with you know more dialogue and and whatnot, uh, I think that's what made Star Fox 64 such a popular and appealing game because people are like, oh man, I want to play that. Unlike the yeah, I, next one. I mean, everybody had this game. I think that's why it's on the list. Yeah. I don't know why everybody had this game. I remember getting it and thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. Again, much like snowboarding, much like skateboarding, it was Wave Race 64. You were racing Sea-Doo's on your Nintendo 64. I think the it was... Game- was sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I think what was uh, really cool about this one, though, was that it was water. Like there was you're on water and like the physics that they had with the water made it look really cool. Right. Like there wasn't really anything else like that at the time. Do you remember how accomplished you felt when you first figured out how to do a backflip? Because that was the easiest trick. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, at the time, you know, was Hydro Thunder out on PlayStation? I I believe it might have been on Dreamcast, but 
you know, at the time there wasn't really any racing games that involved water. So the fact that, you know, they had something where the, the track clearly was the ocean or rivers or whatever it may be, and having the physics incorporated to deal with or, you know, to, to play like that, um, it, it was fun. And I, I never owned the game, but my neighbors did. And honestly, like every time I'd go over and we, we would end up playing Rave Race 64. Yeah. It, like to me, it's just, I, I think it's up there as like one of my like favorite games. And I, I know that sounds really ridiculous because it's such a vanilla type of title. But even when the um, the GameCube version of Wave Race came out, like it was cool to explore the maps and and see what like the cheats would be. And there'd be like the run. I, I don't know if you played the, the GameCube one, but there'd be like the mines that you had to like drive by. And yeah. there was only like four or five characters. And like it was like Kawasaki. Everything was cool. You had to paint your, your CD. That was something that also was really rare is like, you got to customize not very much, but you got to pick what color wave runner you were going to use. Mm-hmm. You're going to use a stand up one. Um, if you're going to use like a guy or a girl, like it gave you choices. And like, that's what makes this game super special to me because yeah. it's just, it's one of those games that gave you variety races would always be different. And it wasn't so generic that you just knew how to play. Like, yeah, you could drive your sea dew, but if you didn't do it right, you would like nosedive underwater you missed a flag you would lose a light or you had what three buoys or something if you missed those your race would be over you'd retire yeah it was really cool um what uh sorry the next game here we're uh we're about to get into a crazy time for the nintendo 64 and i know we've talked about a few titles already made by rare but as we go through the top six these are games that we could potentially lose based off the fact that nintendo and rare aren't like best friends anymore they're, they're, they still have some entities that are shared, like Donkey Kong, but a lot of, like, Banjo-Kazooie, as an example, which is the next title on our list, is now part of, like, the Rare Replay, and you can play all the Banjo-Kazooie games on 64 right now. Or not 64, um, Xbox, if you have Game Pass, or um, anything like that. Banjo-Kazooie, to me, was another phenomenal game. It was a buddy system type of game, which was really cool. I, b- I believe it was one player, though, right? Uh, yes, I think Banjo-Tooie, they added a, um, a co-op mode. There was some multiplayer aspects of it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a single player adventure for the most part. One of my favorite pieces of box art. Unbelievable. It was just, to me, it was one of those adventure games that, your friends would talk about or like you'd go over to your friend's house and they would have banjo kazooie and you'd be like oh, can i play and yeah. you'd have to wait till they died before you got to play but you didn't know the controller so you'd die really really quickly when i got my n64 we actually ended up getting banjo tooie with it um i actually prefer banjo tooie over banjo kazooie i felt like it was a little more uh you know refined as a game as an adventure game and, and the story was funny. Um, but for, you know, argument's sake for our lists, you got to start from the beginning, right? And I think games, um, not, not to disrespect Banjo-Kazooie too, too much, but if it weren't for the framework that Banjo-Kazooie built and the world 
and the polys, you would not have gotten Donkey Kong 64. It's like the games are very similar in a lot of aspects. To me, I had this game like in my top. I think I actually had it fourth. You had it near there as well. Oh, you had it like 12th. It, it was like, yeah, something like that. Um, but I Donkey Kong. See, I had the my 64 came with Donkey Kong. 64. Yeah, yours is like you're you're a wet dream for having Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> it's one of my favorite games you got to remember when it's you when you get a system a new system right what's the first game you got with your 64 was it banjo tooie uh yeah i believe so so that, that game you played the absolute, in rogue rogue squadron as well so you played the absolute shit out of those two games right any chance you got to play that's all you had yeah that's true we got i mean <laughs> we got donkey kong 64 and goldeneye because my dad wanted a shooting game <laughs> so like my first few months of my Nintendo 64 life was blessed with those two wonderful games. Um, and like my mom and dad loved Donkey Kong when they were like um, going on dates and stuff, like playing in the arcade. And then we had it like the super Nintendo. So Donkey Kong was a really big thing in our family. We were all pretty young. Like that game came out in 1999. I would have been like 12. So Donkey Kong was just my life when I got when I wasn't doing homework and it was dark outside or I got to play video games it was Donkey Kong that game had like it was 3D it really pushed well it pushed the system beyond what it could because you needed the expansion or the expansion pack that game was phenomenal yeah I know you don't like it nearly as much as I do well I never really played it you know I kind of dabbled a bit when I would be at my friend's place but I never played it enough to get into it and you know I, I know that it's I know that's not a bad game. Um, I just really haven't had a chance to play it. When you have to go like visit King K. Rule in the cage. Oh my God. So awesome. <laughs> Number four, another rare title. Probably one of the greatest games on the console. Can't go number one for obvious reasons, but perfect dark. This game ran like shit. But it was but it awesome. Did, it didn't matter. You know, like this game, uh, I think Digital Foundry did a uh, a frame rate analysis of this game. And at some points, like if you're playing, if you're playing four players with like rockets and like bots and stuff like that, the game could go down to like two frames per second. It was ridiculous. But the thing is, is we still played it and you didn't even notice it. Like, and the thing is, is like now, nowadays, everyone talks about frame rates and stuff like that, right? You know, like, oh, if a game drops below 60 frames per second, it's trash, right? But back then, like on the N64, you know, we would play Perfect Dark. You know, everyone's shooting, everyone's, and then you, you can still, I can still envision it, you know, my brothers and I playing and everyone using like the, the AR 14s or whatever it was just shooting. And then just like hearing like just the frame rate just drops to nothing, but you don't even notice it because you're having so much fun. When things would explode behind you, it was even funnier because like if two people shot rockets, it would just like, yeah. And then the game would just go back to normal. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize that the sounds were identical to most of them used in Golden Knight. Uh, I was today years old. Oh, really? So I was watching. Uh, I was watching some videos, but I remember one of my buddies 
we used to do the whole like you sectioned off the TV and everybody had to look into their own their own cardboard area. Yeah. His parents had a big TV at the time, so it was kind of feasible. But I remember him sitting there one day and just being like, huh, the handgun sounds an awful lot like the PP7. And that never, ever, ever left my head. That was in the year 2000. And then you you kind of like watch like gameplay now and you're like, am I watching Goldeneye or am I watching Perfect Dark? And I, I remember, man, Perfect Dark didn't really have much of a a following beyond that, right? It had, there was the Game Boy games, which were top down. And then I think one came out for, I want to say there was an Xbox version. Yeah, a Perfect Dark Zero. And then there was another release in 2010. Just called Perfect Dark again in 2010. And those games were, they were good games. I just, I miss them. Do you want to take number three? Uh, number three on our list. Ocarina of Time. <laughs> it's, wow, it's what a build up. Right. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, probably one of the best or one of the, yeah, I would say considered one of the best um, Legend, games of all time. Legend of Zelda games. And maybe, maybe games of all time. Depends on who you ask. Um, I spent countless hours playing this game. Uh, you know, the, the, where was it? The uh, cemetery. Still, yeah. Still horrifies me. Uh, yeah, such a good game. And I've, I've replayed that when it came out on the. There, there was uh, a GameCube version. There was, yeah, on the GameCube with the collection with the Master Quest. Yeah, man, we need a. I, I would pay for a Mario or a Mario collection, uh, Legend of Zelda collection on, and, or on Switch or something like that. That would be pretty cool. The thing about Ocarina of, of Time for me, that, that, Two things. It reminds me of a morning. It was a snow day. My grandma was sitting there and she's like, yeah, just play video games. Like grandmas are awesome. Right. And we didn't have the internet at the time. Like this is friggin' 1999, maybe 2000. Yeah. It would have been 1999 easily. Cause we got the 64 then with Donkey Kong. So that makes sense. And we're calling our friends who had the game to be like, Hey, have you beat this level? How do you do it? Because we didn't have like the game guide or anything like that. And to me, that was the best part, like sharing the experiences with your friends and you're like beating bosses. Um, one of my favorite levels in that is the whole water temple. It just, oh, yeah. It's so crazy. Like when you have to get the iron boots and go all the way down. Oh, talk about a beautiful game. That is a beautiful game. Yeah. And, and it was it felt like a complete game as well, you know there every area that you went the dungeons everything just felt like it was so polished um which i think is why it's it's such a highly regarded game that you know you could go in there and and everyone has their own their own there's something special about that game that if you've played it you know there's something that sticks out to you uh and it, it and it's different for everyone right but you know, I, I just remember the first time seeing that first boss in the Deku tree, you know, the spider. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, like how do I how do I do this? But the cool thing is that those games didn't really hold your hand 
in regards to beating bosses and stuff like that. But the character designs were kind of obvious on how you had to de- how you had to defeat them. Yeah, which right. was I think the best part of those games. Yeah, so like even though you know, yeah, sure, the dungeons themselves are puzzles, but so were defeating the bosses. Yeah, um, do you still remember a lot of the the Arcana songs? Like the controls? Well, I mean, you <laughs> probably could remember the controls, but it's just like you know, like you could hear it, and you're like Sun Song, Epona's song. Yeah, I wasn't that obsessed with the game. Come on now. I mean, it's not a Star Wars game, <laughs> but like, you know, you would know the song of time if you heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone would. Number two, did we go with obvious A or obvious B? We went with obvious B for obvious reasons. We went with James Bond's GoldenEye 007, Slappers Only, Caves or Library, wherever you choose. Complex? No, no odd job. No odd job? Yeah, he's a cheat code. But if you're playing slappers only and you get killed with an odd job, you get your controller disconnected. And then you end up losing. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had, we had real rules, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just yank on the cable, pull out the controller, especially if you're losing. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'd play like Golden Gun, which was sweet. Golden Gun was so good. That game was just so good in itself. It, it was nothing like the movie, which was hilarious, right? Like... You well, know, they're all hilarious. Well, the thing is, is like other games in the series when they came out, you know, they tried to kind of explore or make it feel like you're playing the the movie. Or yeah, if, the world's not enough was a huge one like that. Yeah, and and Angel Fire, right? But that uh, wasn't really a movie one. Yeah, but GoldenEye 007 was literally just like, okay, well, you know, the first part of it, uh, he is on the dam. So let's make a level about going to the dam. Like it, it's cool because like the levels, I guess the way that the game is designed is it's that in between part between parts in the movie. Right. Yeah. And then uh, what for the Nintendo Wii, and I think the PS2, did it come out on, or it, I think they remastered it on uh, PS3 or something like that. They remastered GoldenEye, but they put Daniel Craig as the the James Bond yeah. model, which ruined it for me. To, to me, this game had, like, has two very definitive moments in my, like, that was, you're going over to your friend's house to play 64. That's all it was. And I, I remember thinking at first the AK-47 was a cigarette. It's like, why does this gun look like a cigarette? I just don't get it. Um, but it did follow because, like, I grew up with James Bond movies as well. You like, like, oh, Natalia, that's cool. 006, that's neat. Odd job, damn it. But you'd get the bazookas. You had the what was it called? The Moon Phaser, that stupid gun. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was cool that they added. It wasn't just. Goldeneye, right? They had all of the, the a lot of the classic James Bond stuff in there as well. Yeah. Oh man, nothing. Sorry, go ahead. Temples, playing temples, Golden Gun and Temples. That's was my jam. If you screen peeked in that, you were literally the biggest cheater. Temple was so hard as it was because it was just such a big map. It wasn't like complex or um I think what is it, factory? Um, the one with like all the little like you can walk through the vents and stuff. Yeah, like, if like you ch- if you all of a sudden got quick kills in Temple, people knew you screen peeked. 
Yeah. Yeah, that Nobody was, uh, was that good. Countless hours, many, many hours playing that game. And I I honestly don't remember how many times I've even beaten that game. It's it just so many times. Just because you end up learning where, you know, where enemies are, best ways to go about the maps. Um, the the cool, th- the one thing that I always loved is that how enemies just kept respawning. It wasn't like games nowadays where there was there there's can be like a spawn limit for NPCs. Oh yeah, like enemies literally would just keep respawning. So oh, you could sure. you could camp out in in a hallway and just keep mowing down enemies as they come around the corner. Oh my god! Like the the whole camera panning around you just before, like that was so advanced for a game back then too. Like you remember, it would like come in at you and then like look at your face, which was yep. just a block, and then go behind yeah. you, and then your gun would come up. Yeah, so fun. Not as fun as actually, it might have still been as fun, if not more fun, because you had to play with your friends. The Mario sixty four, where you could murder penguins and it was legal. That is our number one game on games we would like to for sure see on the Nintendo sixty four mini potentially. And that's the episode. Ta-da. No, we got a little bit more for you. We're going to talk about Super Mario 64 for a little bit first. Do you have anything? The to game just—the <laughs> game just reminds me of Penguins. Like to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of the game. I remember a, a lot of running in circles. That's really what the the point they wanted to drive home. Like uh, you would run up round pillars and jump up and platform on these cylinders as you made your way to the top to beat like a Goomba or the penguin or anything, but they they were really trying to show off. Like, I mean, this game came out in 1996 well before anything else on this list, like that and wave race were the first two to come out. And then most games came out in 98 or 99, but this one was the first one to really show off what the hardware could do. And a lot of that was just the 3D movements on the axis and what it could like honestly provide us. And what it really did provide was just hours of entertainment, hours and hours. Yeah, and and I I think that it really added a not no pun intended, but like a third dimension to the Mario Kingdom. Right. Like you started seeing things that were, it was designed differently. Right. You could, you could go and explore the castle grounds. You can explore the worlds and whatnot. So it ended up being more engrossing as a game rather than just being another side scroller game where the levels all look somewhat similar. Now, like the game, you know, there was the ice world, there was, you know, deserts, there was, you know, a whole bunch of different places to explore, which I think made it, uh, it was new, right? Like it was, yeah. It pushed the technology. It was a, a a huge leap from the Super Nintendo to, you know, what the N sixty four was even, you know, p- potentially capable of because it didn't push the system very hard. But at the same time, it was a, a huge leap in technology at the time. So, yeah, it's uh to me, it's still one of those games where like now to pick up and play, it's frustrating as hell. <laughs> It's so yeah. hard to play yeah. when you're used to like the fluidity of the way the two joystick concept works. But yeah, that that's it. Well, we want to do you want to go over some of our honorable mentions? I th- I think people would like to know uh 
potentially what games didn't make the cut because we couldn't agree. Uh, I'll start off with uh, yeah, my, we'll do my it. number. <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it. Fuck it. Okay. Uh, so I had Blast Corpse on my list. So I'll, yeah, I'll give Blast that. It was just, it was a destructive game. You just got to blow shit up. It was fun. Looks like you had um, on the bottom of your list. Uh, I guess I'll read it for you. Uh, Kirby 64. Oh, I'm, I read it. Yeah, Kirby 64. <laughs> it, it was it was again another one of those uh you know jump from the side scroller super nintendo game to a it was still side scroller but it had 3d elements to it but yeah you know, i don't know a lot of people that played it that's the only thing which is probably the animation is crisp there. though it's just kirby floating yeah that's true uh, next up on my list is uh, a little ditty called Beetle Adventure Racing. I don't know if you remember this, but it was the Volkswagen video game. I thought about cruising the world in Stunt Racer 64, but to me, Beetle Adventure Racing was just one of the most fun racing games you could have possibly had. It was it was nice. The roads look cool. You were racing through the mountains or whatever. It was fun. Uh, yeah. I, I would have liked to see uh, Mario Golf on there. I know we kind of had mentioned it uh, back when we were talking about Mario Tennis. But it's one of those games that I'm not a huge sport fan, um, but I don't mind some of the golf games. But Mario Mario Golf, I just found that it was more forgiving as a golf game. And, you know, it was just kind of fun, relaxing, just chillaxing. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, another racing game on my list was Diddy Kong Racing, which I'm surprised you didn't mention either. Um, yeah, I was, was going to put, I was going to put Diddy Kong Racing, but at the same time, it's like, how many racing games did we did we put on our list? Right, one, two, three? two. Yeah. It, it to me, it was just it was a different game. The fact that you could do races on like. Um, an airplane and a hovercraft or a car was really cool, and you got to choose, which was another big thing. Like you could race somebody who, like, when you were playing multiplayer, they could have a car and you could have a plane. Speeds were similar. That was what made it fun. It was just how you raced. So yeah, I really, I really like that. It really allowed for customization. That's for sure. Yeah, another racing game coming up on your list. Yeah, F Zero X. Which My, I'm, the F Zero games, I just liked how fast they were. You know, like it felt like you were going a million miles an hour. Did you ever have one of those um, car games when you were a kid where it was just a light up background and you would yes. just move your car left and right? Yeah, who and didn't it would crash. One. Yeah, like when you crash, the game would just abruptly stop. That was fun. Pretty much, yep. Yeah. Number two on mine is a personal favorite. It's Army Men, Sarge's Heroes. I was telling you um, in our pre-show, I was contemplating between Army Men, um, Sarge's Heroes, and Air Attack, and Sarge's Heroes just kind of won out. It's a it's a really fun game if you if you like army games, mm-hmm. and killing little army men, and running through a refrigerator and across a desk. It's a lot of fun. Uh, my, I, I, I didn't expect this one to make the list. I put it in there because you expect me to put it in here. <laughs> uh, but Star Wars Shadow of the Empire was, uh, it was, it, I, I enjoyed it. It was more of a, it was a first person shooter, but a different kind of story. It didn't really follow, um, any, you know, 
super popular, well-known, first, you know, popular, well-known, awesome. I'm having a huge brain fart. Main character, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it kind of explored, you know, the the empire and you know what was going on with them and after the fall of the empire and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually, to be honest with you, I've never played that game. And aside from you writing it down or talking about it, I've never actually heard of it either. So that wasn't the game I was expecting. I'm sure. I'll hear about it momentarily. <laughs> uh, my final game was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two. I'm actually genuinely shocked you didn't put a Tony Hawk game on your list based on the fact that I think, well, I, I mean, it was that or PS one. Well, that's the thing. I played, I played Tony Hawk pro skater on PlayStation. Now there's a, there's a theory out there. It's not through a lot of people, but I have talked to a bunch of people that have like agreed with this. If you played Tony Hawk originally on the 64, you can slap playing with two sticks. Like if you're playing with the PS one, PS2, anything like you're so much better because you had to struggle with learning how to do it all with one. It's a very different game. I don't know if you played them on the 64, but I it's never very played different. it on N64. Very hard, very very difficult. Uh, and I'm actually surprised that you didn't pick this one, but at the same time, I'm not because it's a Star Wars game. Uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer, one of the only racing games that I had ever beaten 100%. I've unlocked absolutely everything in that game. Really? Came in first place on every single race. Yeah. Yeah, I had it down. On easy, right? No, on the hardest difficulty. Ooh. I played the shit out of that game. It's actually coming out for the Nintendo Switch at some point. Have you already bought it? Uh, no, but I probably will buy it. You might as well have. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like Nintendo already has my money. I have a check written out. I just don't know where to send it. Yeah. Star, <laughs> Star Wars at Nintendo at Nintendo Japan. Yeah. So I think they'll get it. Yeah. Something like that. So that's our list, guys. We're we're hopeful that it's um, somewhat accurate. We hope that some of our um, our honorable mentions possibly made it on the list, or we hope that the fine hackers of the universe have already figured out ways to port in games um rather quickly so when the software does arrive we can add as many games as we want but uh we want to thank you for listening and uh if you like what you like or if you like what you heard subscribe to us we're <laughs> you like pretty much you like. <laughs> you like what you like and that's why you're here um we are a oh crap i forgot what i was gonna say that's okay we're, we're two-man show we do this for <laughs> you guys the listeners yeah and uh if we missed a game that you uh, maybe think we should have, let us know in any of our comment sections. Yeah, have a great. Be sure to follow. <laughs> be sure to follow us on all of the popular, literally every single podcast website that you could think of. Yeah, we are proudly hosted by Red Circle, and we are recorded through Zencaster. Yes. Have a great day, guys. <laughs>